The Courageous Coaching Podcast is hosted by Sophia Antoine, a certified life coach supporting women in their efforts to improve their self-esteem. Today, we're talking about life, relationships, and everything in between. Take it away, Sophia. Welcome to another episode of the Courageous Coaching Podcast. As you know, I am Sophia Antoine, your Certified Life and Relationship Coach, and today I have with me the awesome, the stupendous, the wonderful Shannon Griffin. She is an amazing woman in her own right, but without me telling you so much about her because I could never express it as well as she could, I'm going to let Shannon introduce herself. So Shannon, welcome to the podcast and tell us about yourself. Hello. Thank you very much. Hi, again, I am Shannon uh, with For Humanities. And uh, For Humanities, we are an online t-shirt brand. And our objective is to, we design socially conscious t-shirts. And our goal is to spark social change and do what we can to use fashion as a platform to restore humanity. So that is who I am. And I am definitely appreciating uh, Sophia for having me here today, of course, on um, Easter Sunday. Well, you know, it's a blessing to have you because it's my understanding. Now, I love everything you're doing with the t-shirts, but it's my understanding you have a book coming out. Yes. Yes. Tell us about the book. Yes. The book is called The Smell of Poverty. And let me just grab it real quick. But it's called The Smell of Poverty. And I'll just show it to you guys. This book is a long time coming. Uh, The book is 16 authors where we are going to be sharing your, our stories with you guys about poverty from childhood to adulthood and how poverty has made us who we are today and made us, you know, make the decisions that we are doing today in our lives and in our families. Okay. So is it solely geared towards women? Are your authors only women or who's included in the book? Well, we have 15 women and one man. So we do have a man in here, which is very, very good to, of course, break up the monotony and having uh, a male perspective. So we do have a male that's in the book and we have various ages of women that are also here in the book. Okay. So why did you feel it was important to gather all these authors to talk about poverty? Well, the concept was, is that I have my own poverty and I've experienced poverty, but in order to take a story and use it to be able to help various people, you have to have various experiences. Now I can't say that I've experienced everything on my own. So with the fact of knowing you have 16 authors, one of those stories are going to resonate with you. So I knew that in order to uh, bring in a a various uh, stories to be able to help various people, 16 stories, someone's going to find one of those that's going to inspire, you know, make it inspirational for them. Okay. So would you say that poverty is different for everyone? Yes. Yes. Okay. How so? I would say that poverty is so different because first your perspective is different at what age you experienced it, what was actually resonating in your family cycle, what was going on. Was there one parent? Was there two parents? Oh, yes. You know, were there, uh, were they on public assistance or were they just on a low wage job? Mm. Did they live in a house or did they live in an apartment? Okay. You know, did they, were there siblings or were there just you? So you can see it different. So the, you know, there's very different facets that go with it and very different variables. 
that are entailed with your poverty and how you looked at it. Okay. Some people might find poverty that they only can go on vacation once close by. Some people may not go on vacation at all. Right, right. I, I get that because I can even say from my own story that go, growing up, you know, it was a luxury for us to travel, you know, and then it seemed as though as the older my father got, we weren't mm -hmm. able to travel as much. But right. yeah, but then when my children came along, my, my mom, because my parents are divorced, and that does play a key role, I think, in poverty. Mm -hmm. But my, my mom and her new husband, they actually took my children on vacation because I was an adult by then living on my own, but they took my children on vacation. So my children got accustomed to going on vacations every year, right. even through that. So that does resonate with me because I can, even with you saying that, I can look back on you know things from my past and say, hey, was I in some level of poverty or, right. you know, um, how did that, that really affect the way I grew up and the things I'm teaching my children now? Right. So I know you're a parent and also a grandparent. How does this affect your children or your grandchildren? Did you see the things you spoke about in the book come to fruition in their lives? Or did you kind of see a way that you kept the cycle going and then essentially stopped the cycle in your grandchildren's lives? How does that play out in your life? Yeah, I, I would say, um, and again, thank you uh, for the question. Um, definitely, I would see that the things that I shared about, you know, in the book and, you know, the other people who shared in the book, it did resonate differently for my children. It wasn't as prevalent because as an adult, I also, of course, was uh, in poverty. My children experienced poverty, but they didn't realize that they were in poverty. So we did a really good job on hiding it from them. And that's some of the things that a lot of people uh, are doing so they didn't know, such as yourself. And I'm not saying you were, but you have to go back when you get a little older and resonate back and say, hmm, were, were we in poverty? Did our parents do a good job hiding it from us? Right. In the sense of always providing, but it wasn't the same as someone else's, but it was there. Right. The food wasn't the same, but we had food compared to not having no food. So I would say with my children is that they experienced poverty that I knew they experienced, but they didn't realize that they were getting and they experienced. Okay. And so I, can, I would say that. I'm sorry. Oh, um, that's okay. Definitely. I can see that because we always want to shield our children from, right. from knowing that or from experience it, experiencing it. But do you think we do our children a disservice when we hide that from them? Well, I wouldn't necessarily use the disservice part because no one wants to just go and dump a, a, a load of crap on anybody. Right. But I would say that we're we're not opening their um, their views or, or their knowledge to things because they do need to know that things are, as I say, money don't grow on trees. They right. do need to know that things are um, not just at their disposal. But what they, I don't feel that they need to know, they don't need to know that you want to say, I don't have no money. I can't do that. We can't afford that. Okay. That is what I call an embedded poverty code that okay. the next book for next year will be. It will be called embedded poverty code. We're embedding a poverty code with a poverty language with our children when we do that. Okay. So 
I do think that they need to understand that this is what we have and this is what we can do. But I don't feel that we should teach them the language of we don't have, we can't afford, we, don't, we can't do that uh, in the sense of telling them all your business as adult to the adult. Okay. And, and that makes perfect sense because I think it would be more beneficial to teach them to be good stewards as opposed to telling them we don't have it. So, right. right. So, and, and then that gives them kind of, not that they're judgmental, but they, that kind of gives them a way to look at the parent as if, oh, she wasn't a good steward of what was given to her or what she earned. Okay. So how does education play into this? Do you feel that the more education that you have, the better um, earning potential you have? Is, is that, because we hear that so much on television and we mm -hmm. hear that, you know, coming up in school, but is that really the case? Or with the women that you've worked with, do you find that is the case? Well, again, I definitely um, feel education is key. Okay. And as I shared in the book, for me, education was my key. It was the key that opened up doors for me. It opened up doors to just uh, learning different things, but it also opened up the door to different environments that I was around and different people who I was around. So as you know, opportunity is there. It's like, who are you having to bump into to get that opportunity? So if you are in circles that are doing certain things that are interest that's going to open up the gateways for you, then you will get those opportunities. Because right. as they say, it's, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I agree with that on both sides because you can know lots of people, but if you can't bring the information or bring the experience or knowledge to the table, then you can't participate because you don't know how to participate. Mm -hmm. You can still be there and you can be there on the who you know, but you can't be there on the what you know. So you're still at a disadvantage. So I do feel that education is a key and that's what it did for me. It made it so that I could be invited to the party because I had the credentials. So I was able to come to the party. Now it was up to me to seal the deal. And that was with my experience. That's with, again, street smarts. And it came with experience. And it also came with education. So, you know, I definitely feel some form of education is definitely key to break those cycles of poverty in, in, most, in everybody's life. Awesome. Awesome. And, okay, so let me touch on, because I, you publicly speak about being a cancer survivor. And I'm so happy that, that you do because some people find it as something to be ashamed of. But right. do you feel that um, suffering with cancer or any form of illness can help you, or let me rephrase, can hinder you in your, your efforts to become not so much debt free, but does it take an effect on your finances if you're not properly prepared? Yes. Yes, it does. Um, and, and definitely, again, thank you for having me here. Uh, it's wonderful to be here with you and hanging out. Uh, but as, as you said, shared, yes, I am a cancer survivor. I was diagnosed in 2015, and it just came out of nowhere because, again, I'm not a smoker or a drinker or anything. But there it was. And the one thing that I would say and that I should, will have in another book that I have that I haven't put out in all your books. Oh my gosh. Oh, in that book where I talk about where 
having that intuition or having people that will remind you of things that you needed to do, because yes, it's very expensive and it will, it will deplete things because cancer is not a uh, inexpensive sickness or disease. It's not, it's very expensive. Um, it's expensive, not only to the treatment, but it's expensive to the point that you have to be off of work. Oh. And if you don't have any um, saved up vacation time or sick time or some family leave, then, you know, where are you going to get your money to be able to take care of your basic needs that you have? So I do think that is very important and it is, it could be one of those things that will deplete your finances if you don't have certain things in place, such as insurances. And it's fortunate that I knew before I got cancer. And that's, again, a whole nother backstory that God had spoke to me about and let me know. So I already kind of knew. And it was just a point of waiting to whenever it popped up. And having the wherewithal to get insurances that will cover you if you were diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. Okay. And to get that insurance and knowing that I had got the insurance one particular year, it's, it's expensive. Right. And then one year I didn't get the insurance. I said, nah, forget that. I don't need that insurance. I'm not getting it this year. I'm good. And then coming around the next following year, had mammograms all year on, nothing, 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 no family history. And then the next following year, coming to the open enrollment and saying, hmm, should I get that insurance? And having the wherewithal to say, yep. And my uh, coordinator who said, yeah, get it, get it. And I said, okay, I guess I just won't eat for this whole year. <laughs> I just won't eat. Oh, wow. But I said, I'm getting that insurance because that's what God told me to do and, and gave me that wherewithal and someone telling me, yeah, just get it. So I got it and oh. come that end of that year, November, there's cancer. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So that saved your butt. It, yes. Literally. It sure did. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. And, and I don't think I've heard that part of the story before. So yeah. that's amazing to me just to hear the story come full circle. Right. So your authors, I, I know that, you're, you're close and you, you talk often. How do you feel about them? How do you treat, when they gave you their stories to care for and put into this book, how did you treat it? You know, I was very, very sacred of it. Mm. And I was even to the point sacred of it to myself. Right. And so when they were sending me the stories, they were saying, well, well, what do you think? Is it good enough? What do you think? And I said, I'm not reading them stories. They need to be in this book. Right. When they are in the book, then that is official. That is the reader of a story when it's in a book that it's supposed to be in. I felt that it was, to me, it was like cheating. Like I had information before anyone else had it. Right. So I said, no, I'm not reading it. Your story is your story. And however, which way you put it, just put it in there. Okay. And when I said, when the book comes out is when I'll read it. I'll read your story once it get in this book where it's sealed, safe, and delivered in the book. Yeah. Then I feel that I should be just the same as anyone else having the opportunity to read the story. Oh, that's amazing. You, it, there was the, the sense that you didn't put them um, beneath you 
because right. you were the one compiling their stories. It was just a matter of you cared so much for the integrity of what it is right. that they were sharing that yeah. you said, I'm going to be just like everyone else. And I'm just going to, I'll wait until it's here in my hands and it's official. Right. So then let me ask when you got the book in your hands, have, have you read their stories yet? You know what? No, no. I still feel like, Ooh, I gotta keep it. <laughs> That makes sense. And, and you know, I hate, I missed that. I don't know why I missed it. Yeah. But, um, oh, my nose itches. <laughs> but I hate that I missed that, that call because I definitely would have loved to um, be a part of that. But so when, yeah. you, when you release on April 15th, which is about two weeks from now, right. how can the listeners support you? Well, the one good thing is part of, you know, these bright ideas that I come up with. Mm -hmm. We're going to be doing a private uh, reading okay. uh, and you can opt in to be a part of that. And then we'll be doing a public discussion. So um, to give people who had purchased the book ahead of time, because, you know, it's how Amazon is. You can go and get it. Uh, the big release is going to be April 15th, where we will have the book available for 99 cents for the electronic version. Because again, we want it to be a number one bestseller. We want people to get these stories and, and hear about all the authors that are in here. And one special author for sure, the uh, Elizabeth that's in the book that's 120 years old. So we're making history at the same wow. time. Yeah, she lives in Ghana. So she's 120 years old. And having this opportunity to have someone that old, that of age rather, in this book is definitely a, a great opportunity. So um, those are some of the things. And again, going to the, the link, going to Amazon or either going to uh, bit.ly, The Smell of Poverty, and you can see all the other things, the t-shirts and the mugs that we have that are definitely uh, in line with the book uh, is one of the things. Okay, awesome. Um, so what, my next question is this, oh, and I'm just still floored about Elizabeth being 120. That's amazing. Yes. Um, so you said you're going to, there are two books coming out after this one, correct? You have a follow-up? Yes. Um, next year, well, next year we'll be doing again, this will be a every year thing. Okay. So the next year it would be the smell of poverty, but it'd be the embedded poverty code. Okay. So the concept behind that is talking about that embedded poverty code that we all have, that we've heard and remember when parents said, we don't have no money. Right. We don't have this. And we all have a story where we said we heard mom and dad saying, we don't have no money. We poor, we don't have nothing. And we find ourselves saying the same thing to our children. Um, and the one that I'll be putting out for, you know, uh, cancer survivors. And that's the, the, the cancer survivor book that I'll be putting out and, and getting ready to put out there. Okay. Well, good. And, and you just reminded me when you said that, that thing that we speak to our children, I can remember once my father and I, I didn't know the power was off, but we were sitting there and we were um, just eating crackers and, and something else. And we were just sitting there talking and having a grand old time. And it's not until maybe well into adulthood that I realized, hey, I think the power was off. I, I never asked because I don't want to embarrass him. Yeah. Even after all these years, I don't want to embarrass him. But I, I really honestly think our power was out because we didn't watch TV. It was a norm because, like I said, my parents were divorced. And right. it was the norm for, you know, after school, my dad would come home and make something to eat. 
and it's usually a hot meal and this time it wasn't and it was just you know you're putting two and two together and it's like hey maybe something was wrong here but you know but it was still a great time and that was one of the things i think about parents back then is that they could um make things could be wrong but they can make it seem like it wasn't right. i don't know if the parents these days have that have that um that skill set because yeah. they're they're the microwave generation they're mm -hmm. used to having things how they are where they are right now and if they're not they'll go somewhere else and get it so how right. do you think this book can speak to the microwave generation well the one thing that i would say because there's different there's millennials that are in this book oh really are some baby boomers that are in this book of course and then 120 years old i don't know what they gonna call those those are <laughs> ancestors right then there's ancestors in this book okay so, to look and know that the different various stories that are in here you will be able to see it from the millennial version the baby boomers the gen x and gen y's um you'll be able to see that and you'll see that they all experience poverty from their perspective but this is what they're doing now oh. this is how it's done it's not and I, I agree with the same thing i've been telling my kids they're microwave uh generation they push the button it pops out and you know and i call them pop tarts because you know they're pop tarts they just pop right. pop out so it's it's going to give them it's going to allow them to sit down long enough to read it Awesome. And to see that there are others that are like them out there, but there's also people who have come before them and that have, will come after them that will also give them their shared uh, stories about poverty and how it made them who they are today and why they are different from typical uh, generations. Okay, awesome. So there's something there for everyone. Yes. Okay, well, I look forward to getting my copy of the book. And um, I thank you so much for being here. So. In closing, give me some final thoughts or give our listeners some final thoughts, stuff that they have to look forward to from Four Humanities, from Shannon Griffin herself. Just tell us what we have to look forward from for you as well as how we can reach you on social media when, you know, it comes time to make purchases of the book. Oh, go ahead. I, again, I appreciate being here to share with you guys. Uh, again, I'm Shannon. You can find me as Shannon Griffin on all social media as far as Facebook. Uh, you can find me Coach Shannon Griffin under the Cancer Recovery Strategist. But For Humanities is on social media and all that. So again, we, we're coming up. There is going to be some, some wonderful things that are coming out of For Humanities, things dealing with being a creative uh, business owner, if you're looking to be an entrepreneur, and having creative ideas coming. So you know, we have all those types of things that I create Academy platform be doing where it just has creative things that help you with your business to be a little more creative and not have the standard mundane things that you do, uh, but things that step you outside of the box. Awesome. So there I am. I'm all over. I go live every day. Yes. I, didn't, I didn't call myself Miss I Go Live. Okay. That is your new name, Miss I Go Live. I like it. Because trust me, anytime I look to go live, Shannon is already live. So it is, it is just great <laughs> to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time. I look forward to interviewing all of the, well, the majority of the women that are in the book. And just to get right. this out there, because there is nothing more important than 
rewriting our poverty code so the children don't have to go through it like we did. We always want the next generations to do better and be better. So again, I thank you, Shannon, for having, well, for That's allowing true. me to feature you here on, about your book. So you have a great rest of your day. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Courageous Coaching Podcast. Feel free to call in with comments and questions anytime. The number is 786-749-TLAK. That's 786-749-8255. Call us and let us know what is on your mind. Until we meet again, be courageous.